This is Alex Granados, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Last week was a big week at the General Assembly. The uh, budget finally went through. Uh, the governor had vetoed the budget, but it went back to the House and Senate, and they both overrode the veto. The budget is now going into law, and um, the General Assembly finally adjourned at the end of the week, uh, going over a lot of last-minute bills. And uh, I'm talking with Representative Greg Meyer. He represents Durham and Orange Counties. He's a Democrat representing those districts. And uh, I'm talking with him here today. Representative Meyer, thank you for being here. Hey, Alex. Thank you for having me. So, like I said, uh, the budget discussion is done. We now have a budget. You gave uh, an impassioned speech on the floor, giving your thoughts on the budget and some of its failings in regard to education. Will you uh, review some of those thoughts here for our listeners? Sure. I I really feel like this budget fails to give us a comprehensive plan to really do what we need to do to improve education. Too many people in North Carolina believe that the General Assembly is undermining public education, and there was just so many things in this budget that are going to confirm that for people. The top line about teacher pay raises has been blurred by the fact that there's been a false equivalency between the Republican raise numbers and the governor's raise numbers. The governor invested about one-third more than the Republicans did in total raises, and the governor uh, had raises across the board for teachers, whereas the Republican raises uh, have really, there's no raise for beginning teachers, so they've, they've left them behind, and once again, they've left veteran teachers behind. And veteran teachers all over the state really feel like this General Assembly Uh, wants them out of the classroom, thinks that they should be replaced by younger teachers no matter what the impact on student learning is. And when the veteran teachers uh, this year are only going to get a $30 a month raise and their health insurance premiums are going to go up either $25 or $50, I understand why they don't feel valued. And uh, this false equivalence you're talking about is is the Republicans have made a big deal of the fact that in the governor's budget, the governor was proposing – uh, roughly a 10% average salary increase over two years, and they're proposing about a 9.6 average salary increase over two years. So they're saying that the two are roughly equivalent, but you're saying that the, they're, the devil's in the details on this one. Right, so th- they're putting money into uh, salaries lower on the scale but not higher on the scale, and so they're, they're just saying that the average raises that amount, but if with the governor's budget that gives a raise to veteran teachers requires more money. They're getting away with spending less money because they're not giving veteran teachers a raise, and they're just giving you the average of the average salary increases rather than really representing how the the raises are going to be distributed. Now, just now on the floor when they were doing the veto override, uh, Representative Dollar pointed out that, um, you know, at at the end of the biennium, that will be five years of consecutive raises for teachers and you know he was saying that in a way to say you know look what we've done for teachers what do you think about that i think that teachers should get raises five years out of five years teachers should get a raise every year uh there's very few teachers in the state who will say that they feel uh more valued now than they felt five years ago most of them will tell you they feel less valued and part of that is because the raises haven't been very good. We continue to be behind the national average in pay, but also because teachers aren't valued as professionals, their ideas aren't valued. There's nothing in this budget that came from teachers saying, this is how we think schools should be run. This is what we need to improve education. Other things that teachers are asking for, like textbooks, 
We're, next year in the budget, our spending on textbooks and digital materials will only be 27% of what it was 10 years ago. So teachers just feel like the whole, not just the profession, but education in general is being undervalued. And so teacher salaries always get a lot of attention around budget time, but there's a lot of education provisions in the budget. What are some of the other ones that you've been thinking a lot about? Well, actually, the one that's the biggest disappointment to me is one where there's a lack of action. Um, the federal government gave us a new requirement to rewrite our school grading system based on the Every Student Succeeds Act. And we had the opportunity to really change how we did school grading. We know that the 80-20 mix we have now uh, that heavily weights towards proficiency and not growth really is just an expensive way to figure out which schools have a lot of poor kids in them. And we could do that without this, without this grading system. We should have a grading system that at least balances out growth and proficiency and gives uh, some incentive for schools to show growth even if their kids are working below grade level and to show growth with kids who are working above grade level. As well as the, the federal guidelines give us the opportunity to include a whole bunch of other creative things to try and address um, other issues in school such as disproportionalities, discipline issues, um, special education performance, and none of those things are included in this plan. It's like we're sticking as close as possible to the school grading system that we've had. And so in the House budget proposal, uh, there was essentially uh, a plan to split the grades so that there would be one grade for academic achievement and one, one grade for academic growth. Would that be something that you would support? That would be better than what we currently have where they're combined into one and it's so heavily weighted towards proficiency only, but it's that that's still just one tiny change when we had the opportunity to really think differently. I would have loved to have seen something that had an incentivized schools to really look at things like um, racial achievement gaps, uh, disproportionalities in discipline, things that we know are chronic problems in schools and that they, they would get rewarded by the grading system for addressing those issues, and that's not included at all. Okay, and so it looks like we are in the last week of the General Assembly, and right now the House and Senate are kind of going through some bills that are still lingering out there. Um, are there any education ones that you're paying particular attention to? There's a bill that is being heard today that would make it more difficult for uh, employee associations like uh, NCAE and Scenic to be able to collect dues through paychecks. So that's something that uh, is clearly targeted to hurt state employees associations. There's a bunch of education bills being left on the table. I mean, there's lots of education proposals that weren't even brought up for debate this year, particularly things from Democrats that would have uh, addressed um, issues like uh, access to free and reduced lunch and breakfast in schools. Um, I had a bill that uh, I was hopeful we would be able to get heard that uh, would, would start to put some teachers on extended year contracts so that they would have additional time for professional development in the summer and be able to um, work with low-performing kids who are in, engaged in some type of summer learning opportunity. Uh, but the number one thing that I just can't believe we have not addressed is we haven't done anything to address our low-performing schools. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to someone else about low-performing schools, and um, a lot of them are taking up this restart model, uh, which is basically a model that's left over from uh, the Race to the Top program that people realized was still in the statute. And it gives... Um, schools that adopted uh, charter-like flexibility. And so a lot of low-performing schools are kind of clamoring to adopt this. And it seems like 
that's becoming sort of the default way to address low-performing schools in North Carolina. It's one of the only options that's available to them. We don't have funding to provide them with any additional forms of support to change what they're doing to try and change their outcomes. So they're going to take advantage of this opportunity to change a little bit of their structure, maybe who's in the school. Uh, and I'll be interested to see. I hope that works. I hope there are schools that do some really creative things and don't stay stuck in the rut that they've been in. But realistically, we know that most schools that are low performing have a high number of students living in poverty. They have a significant number of health and mental health needs. Uh, there's no way to address those things without providing some financial assistance to make sure that you have social workers, counselors, nurses, school psychologists in the school, as well as partnerships with community agencies that can help address existing issues in the community that may be contributing to the, to the life of the kids and what's happening for their achievement. Um, and, you know, there are just lots of things that we could do to make sure that those kids have an opportunity to, to keep up and catch up. We could, we could put those kids, every kid in those schools, onto a year-round calendar. We could, if we want to keep them on a 10-month calendar or like a traditional calendar, we could actually add an 11th month of school and say, until your school is caught up, we're going to give you extra time because your kids need to be spending more time reading. Uh, the, there's just absolutely been no creative thinking done on, on what we should do for those schools. Well, and kind of to that point, uh, no budget is the last say on what's going to happen with education in North Carolina. There'll be a short session next spring and another long session after that and so on and so forth. So what do you think um, we need to see in future budgets in order to get the state where you think it should be as far as education is concerned? Well, I, I would like to see us address low-performing schools. That's one of the uh, things that I will continue to work on. And I would like to see us address um, racial and other student achievement gaps and try and make sure that we're closing those gaps. I think that we continue to maintain a focus on having moving towards the uh, having teachers on the national average for pay. But really, overall, the biggest thing to me is that we need to make sure that our public schools continue to be the top choice for families that want to, to have an education for their children. And so we're going to be in an era where we're going to have both private and charter choices. And I'm completely fine with parents who want to choose one of those. But we can't neglect the public school system so that it withers on the vine just because we have those other opportunities out there. Reporting on the General Assembly, I feel like I've learned a lot more about what it's like for you all trying to get things done. And, you know, you as an actual General Assembly member have a way better idea of that than even I do. So I was wondering if you could tell the listeners at home, you know, what it's like trying to get things done in the General Assembly. What are some of the limitations? What are some of the realities that they might not know about? Well, I mean, one thing is that our all of us who are legislators do this part-time and we don't get paid for a full-time job. And so most people here are either retired or independently wealthy or have their own business because they're the only people who can afford to actually do this. So I worked for 16 years in public schools and now I do consulting with public schools. And so I have to split my time between being in schools, working with them, and then being here fighting for them. And so on my best days, I'm maybe in a middle school in the morning and then an education committee meeting later that day talking about the impact of the policy that we're debating and what it would have had on the school that I was at that morning. But there are very few people here who are currently engaging in public schools. A lot of retired educators here, but very few people that actually have a foot in public schools. 
The other thing that I'll add is that um, because of the balance of political power with Republicans having a veto-proof majority uh, based on the racial gerrymandering, um, that there's not really a two-way dialogue about education here. I wish that there was more of it. I know some of my Republican colleagues wish that there was more of it, but Democrats have almost all of our ideas on education shut out. We are mostly relegated towards uh, either saying whether we agree or disagree with the proposals that the Republicans bring forward. What can be done to change that? Well, I, I would like to see, I mean, the number one thing that we need to do to make uh, our legislature more reflective of the state is we need to end gerrymandering and have a nonpartisan redistricting process and draw fair districts that are competitive and that would be more likely to elect people who are willing to work together rather than be rewarded for trying to, to make their base happy and go to the left or the right. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, it's my other point about the difficulty of who's represented here. Um, this state needs to have a conversation, not just the legislature, but this whole state needs to have a conversation about what type of legislature do we want as we move up to be the ninth and, or eighth largest state in the country. Do we actually need a legislature that meets more? Do we need people who are dedicated full time to this? Do we want people who come from backgrounds like a teacher to be able to do this because they could afford to do it? Uh, those are big questions for a big state, and there's not many politicians that are willing to dive into that because it seems like political suicide to suggest that we should be here more or get paid more. Uh, but if we're really going to do what North Carolina needs, we should at least take a second to think about what's the best way to accomplish it in Raleigh. Okay. Well, Representative Meyer, thank you for talking with me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate everything that Education NC does to get the good word out to the people. Thank you. We've been talking with Representative Greg Meyer. He's a Democrat representing Orange County in Durham. And you've been listening to Ed Talk. I'm senior reporter Alex Granados. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.